Hello and welcome back to the Trilogy Wellness Podcast. Woo! Man, this one was so freaking dope. Um, Mr. Jeffrey Oaks is who I am uh, joined by today. And man, I got to tell you, it is so cool getting to know people on a deeper level. And today was a special, special treat for me. Um, And you'll see why at the end of the episode. I'm not going to give you any spoiler alerts. Um, But yeah, Jeffrey is going to be my level two coach. Um, so it'll, it's, it was a awesome, awesome pleasure to, uh, have him on. And, uh, more important than that, you know, it's, it's really cool. Cause we get to dive into, he's a jujitsu, pra- jujitsu practitioner, just like I am. Um, and it's, it's really fun to see. It's really fun to see how other people are using different types of movement practices in conjunction with other things in their life and um and how again how some things like movement or martial arts or any of that stuff causes you to be so present and in the moment and also allows a conduit for you to deal with uh I shouldn't say deal I don't like that word to accept and express certain emotional states uh we of course dive into that in this episode um and i'm just gonna throw this out there guys if you can think on your toes or develop different ways in your life to cultivate the skill of creative thinking um and that's at this point in my movement practice that is that is where i am at I am cultivating the skill of creative thinking, not thinking that you're stuck, right? Because you're never stuck. There's never a situation in which you are physically, emotionally, mentally stuck. And being able to creatively think is your way out, you know, um, Anyways, please let me know how you liked this episode with Mr. Jeffrey Oaks. I'm going to go ahead. He plugs all of his info at the end. I will make sure I put it in the show notes. Um, by the time this airs, he will have already done his rollathon um, for the Tap Cancer Out Association. Um, I think that's what it is. I, I think it's Tap Cancer Out Association. Anyways, he's an absolute animal. He rolled for an hour straight. And for uh, some people who've never done jujitsu, that's a long time. That is a long, long time. So go ahead and give him a shout out uh, over at his Instagram. Um, I think you may still be able to contribute something to... um, the fundraiser so it was a really cool event we dive into it a little bit at the end of the episode and hey like subscribe and do all the things 
And, of course, if you have any feedback, it is always welcome. You can find me at Yogi Kettle Ombre on Instagram or, wink wink, the Trilogy Wellness Instagram. Peace! I think that's you just kind of like that was a good tie in there you know what i mean like i think the i think jujitsu is like get the fundamentals get the fundamentals and it's kind of like same thing with the mace like get the fundamentals down get the fundamentals down and then like okay now you see all these different pathways forward yeah you know and doing yeah. one like benefits the other you know um you, know, you get more confident in nogi you're just going to be better at jujitsu so your gi game is going to be more confident you get more confident with your gi game again you're better at jujitsu so you're just going to be more confident in nogi um and just like with the different styles of steel mace training um you know you want to do the strength and conditioning aspect because then when you go to flow you're going to be that much stronger and that much more in control of what you're doing um and you want to do the flow movement because it's it's stringing movements together and that's like life. I mean, you very seldom in life are you just standing in one position doing one movement. Um, and improvisational movement is training for life. Um, I mean, life is improvisation. This conversation is improvisation. Um, yeah. If prepared, like you may have prepared questions, I may have like a couple of things I want to make sure I throw out there, but the reality is, is we're, we're going to be in flow. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's a, um, I think that's something that like, kind of was exposed to me, like, okay, here's all of these different ways to like get into, into a flow state, you know, but really all it is, is like, just what you said, it's the improvisation. It's like, you learn the skill so that in the structure so that you can improvise real time, you know? Yeah, that's, that's language. You learn, you learn letters, then you learn words, and mm -hmm. then you learn some sentences. But then when you have a conversation, you're just grabbing this word, this word, and this word, and then piecing it together and putting it out there. It's it's absolutely flow. Yeah, yeah, I love it. We're very, you know, we just accept and we don't think of it as flow because we've been doing it all of our lives. So we don't have to get it. We don't have to work ourselves into a conversational flow state in order to interact with other people. Well, maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe there are people out there that do. And yeah. certainly you can get yourself into a greater sense of flow state with conversation, but it's not a requirement to like walk up and start talking to somebody. You can <laughs> do that without being like, okay, I'm going to meditate myself into flow state. Yeah, no, it's true. It's like, uh, it's like the, so there are like i feel like there are like certain triggers that like get you there quicker you know what i mean yeah. like like for instance like you know jujitsu like 
somebody is literally trying to rip your arm off or choke you out. <laughs> yeah. Cool. It's time. <laughs> you get you know? present fast. Yes, exactly. If you're not present, you're choked. Exactly. <laughs> um, and then like same like same thing with the mace. Like you're not careful, you're gonna smack yourself, right? Yeah, totally. It, and then like or like a kettlebell. Um, you know, like you if you're not if you're not under that thing, like in you know, you try to do something that you don't know how to do yet. You might lose a toe. <laughs> Who knows? Right. For the for the lifters out there, have you ever tried to do a like a heavy deadlift, a heavy pull when you're not present? Oh my god, dude, that's game over, <laughs> dude. <laughs> yeah, you, you, there's you got to be in a sense of uh, presence and flow for that. And I like I like thinking of of flow. I mean, I like the word flow. Obviously, I mean, I'm a still mace flow coach. It's a big part of what I do. I use the word flow all the time, but I do really think about it as like more like presence than than flow if we're present then flow comes very naturally it's when we're out of presence or things are trying to take us out of a sense of presence the you know the the signs on the freeway the the commercials the ads on instagram the the logarithm it's just tick-tock tick-tock just constantly going into your brain trying to take you out of presence because it's when we're present that we're truly dangerous mm. I love that. I love that. Um, I'm actually uh, reading a book right now. I think you'd dig it too. Maybe you've already read it, honestly. Um, it's called Outwitting the Devil by uh, Dale Carnegie. Oh, wait, yeah, I think, that, I think that's who it's by. Yeah. I have never I so. read that. And I'm honestly, I'm going to admit a little disappointed in myself. I'm going to make sure that I put that in. <laughs> Outwitting the Devil. I love that yeah it's it's solid man it's like him like interviewing the devil basically not basically that's like the whole premise of the book and it, i guess his family actually uh ended up waiting to release it until basically um i think like the last member of his family died mm. and then they're like okay now you can release it so yeah, so it was like his estate or trust or whatever was, was now in possession of the book. And then it's even crazier when you like get into the subject material of the book because um, not without giving anything away, it definitely like that whole story arc kind of like plays into some of the subject matter in there. So yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. Um, to definitely... Uh, it's definitely fun listening to it after you know the last three years or so kind of yeah. like yeah so it's it's fun yeah i think you'll like it um I'm in. by the way just out of curiosity what kind of like what led you down this path to like get into like flow state stuff or presence yeah really really good question um and I don't know how to give a short answer to that. Um, there's, there's, give me the long ones. There's several stories I could choose from, but um, I, I would say that my introduction into um, flow states did come from martial arts. Um, um, okay. When I was a very wee lad, I, I got um, worked my way into Taekwondo practice and spent about 10 years on that. Um, and that's, I think, was probably, and I would not have known it, 
I would not have been able to qualify it as such, but that was, I didn't, I didn't have the word flow in my vocabulary or, or not, or not in the way that, that we're talking about it, but that, that would be where I first felt my, my sense of flow is in doing a series of kata that you learned. Um, so it probably took me a few years and, you know, you advance far enough to where you learn like a long enough string of movements that um, in order just to remember and hit everything, you, you have to be very, very present. If I was distracted thinking about the action figures I wanted or the girl I was starting to develop a crush on or the test I was stressed about at school or, or whatever, then you're going to come out of it and you're going to mess up your kata, you're going to mess up your form or pattern. Um, so I, I would say that that would be my first true introduction to that um, would have been through martial arts and, and learning katas. Um, and at various points throughout my life, in hindsight, I realized that I, I had been looking for ways to to replicate that after I had lost interest in Taekwondo. Um, and during college, I studied a little bit of Judo, a little bit of Tai Chi. I didn't, I wasn't dedicated to any particular martial art. I just kind of was like dabbling a little bit in between the, the typical party in college kind of stuff that you do. Um, but after college, I started, um, playing in a rock band with some friends. I wasn't really a musician by trade, so I, I taught myself how to play bass guitar. And there and again, I was finding that really what I was doing is learning patterns. And when you learn, learn these patterns, you start to become really present. You learn the patterns well enough, then you start to be able to rewrite the patterns, become, mm. become a bit, bit creative, um, or you can take the patterns and improvise within them. So therein is another type of presence or flow. Um, once that that ran its course and I got back into movement, it's 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 been chasing flow the whole time. Um, getting back into martial arts, starting Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Um, you know, one of the the highest forms of flow in my opinion, you know, that I experience these days is sparring. Um, mm. It's absolutely presence and flow like we were talking about earlier. Um, as far as what led me to a specific flow practice in terms of like steel mace flow or movement flow was um, really a need to restore. Um, getting back to Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, I did around the same time that I had taken up a lifting practice and I started exploring uh, kettlebells and such. And really like a lot of practices that when combined um without any real restoration become you know can degrade your body so uh you know years go by i start getting these injuries that aren't going away um eventually needed a couple of interventions and i was really seeking out some something that i you know some way i could stay moving but without beating myself up so much mm. um Eventually, I kind of found my way into the realm of unconventional training, um, was introduced to the mace uh, through a combination of like being a fan of uh, Alex Gray's artwork, um, who designed the, the quad mace for on it. And I think hearing about it on a podcast and just kind of like just becoming aware that the mace was a thing in the unconventional training world. Um, and as soon as I became aware of it, I mean, I, I ordered one right away. I, I always like to tell this story in that my ego ordered a 20 pound mace. 
because you know i did i did lifting math i'm like thinking okay yeah. well, I, can, I can snatch you you know a 24 kilogram kettlebell you know with relative ease 20 pound mace should be no problem then you you pick yeah. it up you realize that all the weight is like and and one end and it's horribly offset balanced and okay i'll go ahead and get a lighter mason and and learn how to to maneuver this thing first um yeah. around the time that i got a lighter mace i started looking into what people were doing with lighter mace and that's when i started seeing um i started seeing flow um leo savage was one of the first people i saw doing it um and as soon as I saw that, like just something clicked in my mind. Something said like, this is something that you've been looking for. So I started training the method, started uh, seeking out the highest level coaching that I could possibly get and, you know, invested a lot of time, travel and money into doing so and really found the, the gateway that I was looking for into that sense of moving and training flow. And mm. And since then, um, you know, I've been able to translate that to where now, now I flow with body weight movement, or you know, now I really think about jujitsu in sparring as more more flow than just fighting. I mean, sure, it's a fight, but I mean, yeah, fighting is another form of flow. It's improvisation. It's, you're very present. If you're not present, you lose. Yeah. No. Exactly. It's that. Uh... It's that anything that kind of like pulls you into the present moment, whether like, you know, if you're playing, like you said, you're playing in a rock band, you know, if you play the wrong note at the wrong time, like that's, that's bad news. Right. Which I did often. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, It's like, uh, but that you have that, like that kind of stressor there. Right. You know, where it's like, Oh, okay. Um, there, something might go, might might go not might not go the way that I want it to. Um and same thing with jujitsu. Like if you're if you're too out thinking about, you know, what where am I gonna go get coffee after this? You know, what am I gonna eat for lunch while you're while you're in the middle of a roll? Yeah. Yeah. You're done for. Yeah, like, oh, where am I going to get coffee? Where am I going to get? Oh, I'm going to defend this choke first thing. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and, and the cool thing about moments like that is that, like, coming in and out of flow, I think, is actually a really beautiful and powerful thing. Um, because, as you know, we talked about briefly earlier, like, getting into flow, um, you know, is, is sort of its own thing. So if we can come out of flow, but then get ourselves back into it, I think that's a really, really... Um, important skill to have and being able to develop that skill in a in a container like being on the mats of jujitsu where you're working with a training partner who sure they're trying to they're trying to win they're trying to uh impose their will but generally speaking they're not trying to hurt you you know if yeah you're exactly to your training partners and the people at your own academy like it's a pretty safe container like sure you might get choked but at the end of it you're gonna laugh and you know joke about it's like well that's what happens when i think about you know, what kind of coffee I'm going to drink, um, as opposed yeah. to what you're doing with my lapels. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's actually, that's actually a really great point. You know, um, having that ability to like step back into it. And I think that's where like the mace is, and jujitsu kind of like come in, like holding hands together, you know? Yeah. And, but, and I would agree. I think the mace is a, is a great container for that as well. I mean, 
I think most people who flow would be able to tell you like, yes, there are times you're deep in flow and then something catches your eye and you get distracted for a moment, but then you come back to it or like you feel like within that distraction is like, okay, well, I lost some engagement. The mace got a little wobbly in this spot and now I have to recapture, ride the momentum and get back to a place that I want to be. Yeah, exactly. Um, actually brings me to my next question for you. Uh, what are some things that are kind of like influencing your movement practice right now? Like, do you have any um, books or anything? Books that influence my movement practice. That's, that's an interesting question. Um, you know, to be perfectly honest, books are not really a place that I go to a whole lot for uh, stuff on movement. Although I, you know, I'd, um, I'd make an exception for that for the uh, supple leopard book I think it's one of the one of the best books on on movement um, that's out there I mean that's very much a um, you know logistical kind of like here's an approach to movement this is very technical it's very informative um, so so that's that's really cool I think the the kind of books that honestly influence my movement most at this point are probably not what you would think um, like I get a lot of inspiration from poetry um, Mm, I love that. So yeah, what what kind of book you cheering on right now? Um, uh, two of my two of my favorite books. Um, I actually have out in front of me. Um, one is um, called "Inquire Within" uh, by a poet by the name of In Q. I'm just really really big fan of his. I actually did a, a poetry workshop with him earlier this year that I really really enjoyed and got a lot out of. Um, and then one of my other favorite poets is, it's someone who, um, I don't know if they even self-identify as a poet, but I think when you read this book, it's, to me, it reads like poetry, Discipline Equals Freedom by Jocko Willink. Um, I would oh, dude, I yeah. Would up there with, um, you know, some of the great war warrior poets like Alan Seeger or, uh, or Tecumseh um, as well, the uh, Native American chief. Um, yeah, because I really think that this book reads a lot like poetry and prose. So I find a lot of um, inspiration through through that. Now, yeah, how so exactly that translates to movement, that's one of those, like, I don't know that I can necessarily quantify or qualify that and give you like a, like, here's a process, or I read this word and it triggers this. I just know that sometimes when I read some of these words, it like kind of sparks something that I feel like I want to move and express. Mm. Yeah. So what is that feeling that does uh, kind of bring up, you know? It could be, it could depend on, um, you know, it could depend on the words. Um, but I see a lot of correlation between feeling and movement. Um, mm. I think that we store our feelings, our emotions, our, on a deep enough level are a physical experience. You know, they're produced by chemicals, interactions of proteins, et cetera, et cetera, all physical quantifiable things. So to, to disregard emotion as a physical experience is to overlook a massive, massive aspect of it. Big so we, we store these things in our bodies, like every, every emotion that you feel is stored somewhere in your body. Um, so I like the idea of when you have a feeling, whatever the feeling is, say that feeling is anger. 
I check in with my body. I scan myself from head to toe and notice that hmm, I got a little lump in my throat. Then I start to think about, okay, well, what am I feeling angry about? Why am I feeling angry? And it may be because um, I feel like I've got something to say and no one to hear it. And maybe that's creating some angst inside of me. And then there's that little lump in my throat that's sort of like indicating that. Or, um, mm. you know, on the flip side, maybe I'm feeling like really warm and positive or something. I scan my body and realize I just, I just feel like that kind of like warm, fuzzy sensation in my heart. Yeah, yeah. And, and like those that. things could all very much influence movement. And if I'm angry when I pick up a mace, or if I, you know, go to jujitsu and do the thing you're not supposed to do, which is, you know, take feelings on the mat with you or whatever. Um, but, you know, I, I think it's fair to say that we all, we all do it to a certain extent. You know, I might notice that I'm being more explosive with my movements. Like yeah. that, that fire within is coming out in that ignition like that engine is really revving it up creating that combustion explosion um whereas if what i'm experiencing is like oh i'm feeling really light i'm feeling love i'm feeling positive my my flows may be very airy very slow a lot of balance a lot of pauses um and my jujitsu may even be the same way i may be way more patient in the way that i'm playing my game i may try to take the pedal off of my own gas and focus on defending and staying in good positions. Mm. Yeah. I love that. Cause it, uh, allows that space for you to show up to whatever practice the way that, you know, you kind of need to that day. Oh yeah, uh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, even in like yoga, if I go to yoga and I'm, really angry and you know you just even get into a you know a tabletop or a downward dog or any time both hands are on the ground you might realize that i'm like actually really gripping the ground really really hard or something or i'm channeling channeling something into that um and again if you go with the uh, the love in your heart well then you know you may just find that i'm just moving peacefully and gracefully through everything every challenge i'm just breathing through and everything's okay mm. yeah i love that Especially because, you know, I, I, I find this with a lot of like mace artists, like um, that's like, that's like the go-to thing. Like if you're having, if you need, if you, even if you're feeling good, you're feeling whatever, the mace has like this interesting way to like be a conduit for the expression of energy that's like inside of your body, you know? Um, and I, and I definitely, uh, I've been doing this with my own practice lately, but I've been kind of like, I'll ask, like, I'll ask my mace, like, what do you got for me today? You know, like, what do you, and when I pick it up, it's like, oh, okay, you're, you're, I'm not just going through a flow. Like I'm asking you, like, what do you, what do you need from me right now? You know, and kind of creating that, like communion like without getting too crazy with everybody on here but like oh, you know create yeah cre creating that like that bond right um and letting it let it let it as much as i'm doing the movement i'm letting the movement do me if that makes any sense oh yeah yeah absolutely yeah absolutely and i think you said something that's really important too is that you know you notice a lot of mace artists like use it as an expression. Um, and, and I think that's because 
there's this this phenomenon in our and I don't know if it's our generation, I don't know if it's many generations or if, or if it's, I don't think it's always been like this, but we really only have one real common accepted way of expressing energy emotion and that is that is through, through talking. And that is not always encouraged or accepted. In fact, you know, we've, we've, we've even said that there are certain emotions that are bad. It's bad to feel this, bad to feel that, bad to feel anger, bad to feel hate, bad to feel jealousy, bad to feel rage, bad to feel insecure. Um, so we we put a we put kind of a lid on those things, and, and we don't let them out as much because we really only have like one way of expressing them, and oftentimes we're encouraged not to engage that one way. Mm. But as I said before, it's. We, we, we shall not overlook that those feelings are a physical experience and that there is another way to express them. So yeah. we can express them by moving them around, um, moving through flow. And sometimes it's, it's really easy. Like sometimes there's a, a movement that actually looks like a feeling and we can express it that way. But sometimes it's, it's like I said before, it's a little less quantifiable. Um, you know, for instance, in a ballistic curl transition where we're just taking our mace from one side to the other and our hands come together in this praying hands position in the middle. Uh, to me, I can express a lot of gratitude in that movement because I'm bringing my hands together to pray. What do people mm -hmm. do when they're praying? I mean, sometimes they're asking for things. Um, but I think at the heart of prayer is thankfulness and gratitude. So that's that's where I go. And I also do this thing with my students where I say every time the mace passes through there, I want you to conjure something that you're grateful for. Um, and we mm. can start slow. We can start and stop and take a moment to think about it and then finish the transition. But I like my students to be able to conjure gratitude on a dime so they don't have to stop. You just like hit it in the middle. There's that quick moment of gratitude. Um, yeah. I love that. That's so beautiful. Fuck yeah. <laughs> I might have to I might have to start using that one, man. Cause that's a I feel like I've noticed like especially with from that transition, you know, people won't take the time to to do this. Yeah. You know, they'll rush through it. They're like, oh, okay. Uh, and I like that because it forces you to like, even if it's just for that second, to come here. Yeah. To like say thank you, you know. Yep. Um, which is interesting because this position, right, is like universal for like gratitude, you know. So and I love that. I love I, you know, I did a I was teaching a class on Saturday and I had it was raining here, and which it never rains in Phoenix. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I had something slotted. I was like, oh, I want to keep dialing in the uppercut and uh kind of working that into some more flows um and then it was rainy so like we had to kind of play around with the location difference and uh i ended up teaching like a, i ended up coming up with the flow like literally like right before class so I was like i i don't know what to teach now um and i just grabbed my mace and asked that question i was like what do you like what do you what do you want to what do you want to show me and yeah. it was just that 
transition and then that transition um led to another transition led to another transition and, and then i was like oh okay what if we add in a little step here a little step there you know um and at the end of it i was like kind of like racking my brain i was like what is this trying to express and i was like oh this is me like my inner child coming out like this is that kind of play you know like oh like you're gonna go outside you're gonna go play in the rain because you know sometimes you wouldn't be like your parents wouldn't let you go play in the rain for whatever reason and so like my my inner child wanted to come out in that and it was cool like uh just doing those reps you know and that and coming and at the end of class i came back to the start you know like this is where it started that's very cool and i love that for a few reasons uh one of those is because when you're in that process of putting together your flow for class like when you're in a flow yeah yeah you're in, you're in a kind of flow as you're assembling this and that's what allows you to uh you know connect to your inner child like you're present enough to realize that like oh, this is more than just what I'm doing with my mace, but there's also like, it's raining out that I've got this story of someone who told me not to play in the rain, but like, I love to play in the rain. Yeah, who doesn't like jumping in a puddle, dude? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, actually, I'm sure there are a lot of people who don't like jumping in puddles because yeah. at some point in their life, they don't want to get their feet wet. They don't want to get their socks, pants wet. They, they <laughs> you know what they need to do after they get out of the puddle or whatever. Um, yeah, no, that's actually a that's actually one of the cool things that I thought about when I was in it. It's like, okay, if you're gonna go play in the rain, right? Like, you need you almost to so you don't have to deal with that stuff. You have, you kind of need like the right structure to to do that. You know, you got to put on your waterproof boots or, or you know the right kind of pants, right kind of like jacket, so you can go do that. You know, um, and that's kind of what the flow ended up feeling like for me was like. Oh, okay. Like this was the structure so that I can play, you know? Yeah. 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 The other thing I love, like about that is, did you, let me ask you this, um, before you started writing the flow for the class that you were about to teach, you already had a plan for class and you decided to change it. Yeah, exactly. My man, I do that one. I do that all the time. Um, yeah, I, I, I believe, uh, one of my coaches, um, uh, a few years ago, Mark England said to me, you know, professionals prepare and amateurs wing it. And ever since then, I've prepared for every single session, class that I've taught. The number of times that I've stuck to my plan is a significantly lower number. But yeah. I really do think that like the act of preparing creates a strong foundation. And from that foundation, we can, we can flow, we can change the plan. We can alter what we're going to do. I mean, uh, I think my students, there's like, can be a little bit of a running joke sometimes because I'll like, I'll set up for class. I'm ready to go. I fire up, like when I'm teaching online, I fire up the camera. I've got my whiteboard right down over there with the class plan listed on it. I'm starting to talk through our intro. I look at the whiteboard and I'm like, guys, we're going to do something totally different today. <laughs> it's like, and, and it just, it, it, it comes. Um, but I, I love the fact that you go through the act of preparation and that act of preparation actually prepares you to be unprepared or not unprepared, but to, to, um, to improvise. If you didn't have that foundation and just showed up to wing it, 
I don't think you would have come up with a very good flow. Yeah, no, it's, it's true, man. Like, I think, uh, you know, that's something that I like doing is like coming up with, even if it's just like a point that I want to touch on. Right. Um, and like build off of, you know, like there's a, I think that's like something that I've kind of just done like in my own practice is like, Hey, if I really, if I really want to start working on my uppercuts, right. Okay, cool. Like what are all the places to, to get there? Yeah. Right. Or how, how, to, how many ways can I get out of that transition or, and back into it? Um, Cause it's that same kind of idea, right? Like you, you, uh, you have a plan to get there, but then where can you go from, there, you know? Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, that's actually, that's actually something that I think is really beneficial when we start talking about moving energy and emotions through your body is because like anytime that you, you know, if you, if let's say like you have something that you really want to bring up to someone and it's maybe not an easy thing to do. Um, and if you're so focused on that, you may not be present enough to just listen, you know? And I think that's such a huge thing is like, can I, can I listen well enough to hear what the answer is? Even if I don't necessarily like the answer. Right. And, and I think that's, I think that's why a lot of naysayers turn back to movement to like move through stuff, you know, and that actually brings me to my next question for you. Um, what is something that your movement practices, um, kind of helped you grow through emotionally? I think that one thing my movement practices helped me with emotionally is, um, a sense of uh, self-security, self-efficacy, um, mm. self-esteem. Um, as someone who is um, grappled with um, things like depression and anxiety for a, a long time, um, I can tell you that one of the things that depression tries to do to you is take away your sense of beauty, your sense mm. of perceiving beauty experiencing beauty or feeling beautiful yourself when you're depressed nothing is beautiful except for things that you can't have um and including yourself so something that my movement practice has helped me with is it's it's helped me find ways to to feel beautiful to feel good about myself um ways that i've i've realized that there are skills that i can develop um and the cool thing about movement is movement translates to other things in life. One of my favorite examples of this is the skill of balance, cultivating the ability to balance. And when I say balance, I don't necessarily mean standing on one leg, although that is, you know, a great example of balance. I mean, some people are not balanced standing on both feet. Some people don't feel balanced on both feet with both hands on the ground. But if you can achieve a sense of balance in your body, you're more likely to experience a sense of balance of your mind, and balance of spirit as well. 
another place that movement translates, and I go through this with my students all the time because I like to ingrain patterns and then I like to pull the rug out from that pattern and say, okay, now this thing that you've been doing for maybe a couple of years now, I want you to do it differently. Mm. And then we develop the skill of unlearning. Unlearning is an incredibly difficult skill to develop, maintain, or experience as we age, we get more and more set in our ways. Yeah. Oh, yeah. More and more repetition. Um, so as we age, it's very natural to become more stubborn, more obtuse. Uh, but in movements, we can learn patterns and then we can decide to do something completely different. And then we have to unlearn an old pattern and relearn a new pattern. If we can do that with movement, then we can also do that with thought constructs, stories, emotions as well. Big time. Yeah, that's, I love that. Yeah. And we talked about, we've used the words improvisation a few times today as well. Um, that's another place where I think that movement translates and we practice the ability to improvise in movement that skill is going to translate to improvising in life. Um, when life, you know, turns up the, the pressure dial and our tend tendencies start to manifest, um, having that skill to improvise could be the thing that helps you avoid a collision on the road. Could Same be time. The thing that helps you um, talk out of a potentially violent confrontation. Could be the thing that um, leads you to a place of more fun and joy. I mean, yeah. Big time. Yeah. I think, uh, I think that's a, a really, I think that's a really cool lens to be able to offer people, you know, is yes, you've been doing it this way, but how many other ways can you do it? You know? Absolutely. Absolutely. And to take it back to my, my initial answer, I know I could want trailed off a little bit there, but um, it definitely helped me. Like once you establish a sense of like feeling beautiful, whether you strike a beautiful position or you feel like you're moving gracefully or, or if you just feel like I did something really cool that I never do before, it, it's impossible for your brain to feel that and depression at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's I, that's great, man. And thanks for sharing that, by the way. I know I've had my, I've had definitely had my belts with uh, depression and like depressive episodes. So like, and, you know, that's one of those, that's one of those really heavy places to, to be able to come out of, you know? Yeah. And, you know, I appreciate you admitting that. I mean, you've now put yourself in the like 87% of all men who acknowledge experiencing a sense of depression at, at some point in their lives. Yeah. Big time, you know, and uh, yeah, I, it actually like, it's one of those, it's one of those things that, you know, can really like cripple people, you know, and, and I've, and I've seen it in the lives of people around me i've seen it in my own life you know so it's it's one of those things that i think 
it's why I'm very passionate about, you know, having conversations like this, teaching classes, being able to inform people of the capabilities that they have and empower them to get themselves out of a place like that, you know, because it's, you know, with the, the system that's in place now isn't doing everything that it wants to do you know and and a lot of times i feel like the answer is just like that that self-love being able to access that so yeah and that and what more of a way to show self-love to yourself than to have the discipline and a practice to show up to and that's a confidence booster right there in and of itself so having a sense of self-discipline will absolutely translate to to self-love um i don't think of and and granted i realize i brought up a jocko willink book earlier (laughs) when i think of the word discipline or self-discipline i don't necessarily see it through this militaristic lens or like this is like gotta do all these things and I don't see discipline that way. I see discipline as, as self-love. I love myself enough to carry discipline, to do the things that will carry me forward into further self-love. Um, and Dude, yeah. one of the, my personal belief is the highest form of expression of self-discipline is to have the discipline to check in with yourself daily, multiple mm. times per day. Mm. I love that because you can, uh, and maybe you can tell me if I'm headed down the right path, but you can get lost in the muck of the day. So it's like important to check back in and go, yo man, like, (laughs) why are you so mad at this dude behind you in traffic? You know, or like, or like what, like, you know, why are you, why aren't you paying attention to, this uh conversation you're having with whoever it is right um yeah i love that you're 100 on on the right track uh you know having the discipline to ask yourself why am i projecting anger at this person behind me in traffic Mm -hmm. i don't know what their story is i'm only aware of my own story and i'm only aware of like the fact that they're driving so close to me spark some kind of trigger where is that trigger coming from what are my options i could accept this and continue the way i'm going i can make an alteration i can move to a different lane i can turn off let them pass and then get back on the road uh i could slow down (laughs) and and antagonize them further um you know that it when you check in with yourself and ask yourself that question then, then the answers start to come. Mm-hmm. The options mm-hmm. start to arise. Yeah, yeah. It's a, that's a. I love that because it's the. Actually, I think this is from NQ. <laughs> um, there's a song by the by the dude Zoo, and NQ does the intro. And he brings up this thing, and I all my mind always circles back to it, but it's it's. In the song, he says, it's the question, not the answer. That's the higher you. Otherwise, you couldn't differentiate between the two. You know, and it's that, you know, it's like the, having that 
I know it's big in stoicism too, like having that discipline to like, to do that, check in with yourself, give yourself that split second to go like, what are you doing? <laughs> and isn't that amazing? As, as you said, is that split second, like that's all it takes. Like mm -hmm. actually like check in with yourself and get an answer in a, in a fraction of a second. If we know how to do it, the, the problem we run into is this is not a skill that we're informed to cultivate. It's no. not, it's not a behavior that has been modeled by our predecessors. Yeah. So this is something that is like the charge of people like you, myself, our generation to, to instill that is something that is important for the next generation to do. And that is not to constantly coast through traffic, but to actually take these moments and, and check in with yourself. And it's more than a spa day. It's more than going to jujitsu practice. It's, it's asking yourself, how am I really doing? What am I feeling? Where am I feeling it? And why? Mm. Dude, I love that. I'm, I think I'm going to put a little reminder on my phone. How are you? Yeah, do that. Yeah, 100%. that's sweet, man. I love that. Yeah. Um, and while you're at it, you know, take that and turn that outwards and check in with someone you love as well. Mm. Ask them the same question. Um, you know, how many, how many times have you gone through a day where no one asked you how you were doing? A lot. <laughs> yeah. And, and how awful does it feel? Terrible. And how many, and what kind of stories do you create around that? Oh, no one loves me. No one's thinking about me, blah, blah, blah. None of those stories are accurate or true, but we conjure them and we believe them because we give ourselves, you know, this data to support it. Well, no one reached out to me today. Well, how many people did you reach out to? And usually mm. it's the same number, um, zero. So, you know, something that we can do to, you know, enhance the quality of our world is to, when we check in with ourselves, if we think to take a moment to check in with someone else too. That's so beautiful. I love that. Yeah. Cause it's, it's true, man. Like, and I, I think that kind of plays off of the idea in, uh, in, in some meditation uh, is focusing your energy on someone else or giving, yeah. giving someone else the attention that you may need right yeah and then all of a sudden yeah makes you pulls you present right and then um it also you're it, it's kind of like one of those ideas like just because you are going to benefit from it doesn't mean that it's a selfish act it's still a selfless act you know yeah yeah well i mean there's you know selfishness and selflessness or you know, that's an interesting conversation we could spend a lot of time talking about right there but yeah um, i i like this concept of enlightened selfishness you know and that really comes down to that adage that we're all familiar with you know you can't you can't fill someone's cup with your own empty cup uh you got to put your oxygen mask on before you offer someone else assistance um yep you have to make sure that we are strong in our foundation or we're not going to be a of any legitimate service to anyone else yeah big time man yeah i love that because then that 
kind of forces you into that into that space um yeah you kind of already uh you already teed it up but i got one more question for you real quick and it's the uh what is what is your movement practice helped you with spiritually connection connection um, connection yeah yeah connection to myself is a being that's not just physical but that's also emotional and mentally and mental um i i yeah i would just say movement is something that helps me connect all of it mm. hell yeah i love that man yeah. and that um very literal you know in terms of you know we talked about you know praying hands like literal things that ex express a spiritual um spiritual uh, thought um you know gratitude is spiritual it is yeah depression is spiritual crushes 100 joy is spiritual like a lot of things that we qualify as emotions well i mean the word emotion emotion we like to say energy and motion but even if you don't like to say the energy part well you, you can't ignore the fact that most of the word emotion is motion mm -hmm. and emotions are not static there's too much motion in the word for them to be static things uh, emotions are in motion like you depression ramps up and slows down like any other emotion happiness ramps up and slows down now sometimes those ramp ups are real real fast and the come downs are real real fast as well but a lot of times it's more of a, a gradual thing it's 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 in motion it's ever changing so you know, yeah it's a spiritual thing that it's done for me is is helped me connect to that in moments but also as a as a progression and, and seeing it not as a a static fixed point but but more as something that's always fluid and flow yeah, that's a, that's definitely something that, you know, same, bring it back to like a meditation cue is like, they, they always kind of hone in on the fact that like, you got to recognize you're not always going to feel like this. Um, and you got to recognize whether it's good or it's bad, you know, and anybody who's either experienced uh, any exogenous like up, you know, AKA like you've used something outside yourself to get really uh, high up there in a benefit, like in a quote unquote, like beneficial emotional space, you know, like where you're feeling like really happy and ecstatic, you know, that that's going to come crashing down. Right. And then versus like self-love and, and discipline, right? Like that's a, I, I feel like that's a sustained level of happiness you know and it's not it's not in that like ecstatic way right it's just you wake up and you recognize like you know you go to grab your mace you go to grab your gi you know you go to like sit down and meditate like and you're like oh okay i feel better you know um and any in any time like you know i think that um when people feel I, I hate the word negative emotion right because mm -hmm. any moment where you feel that 
I we're so we're taught to like push that away, you know, and and I've recognized like myself like like when I allow myself to not shame myself in feeling whatever it is like jealousy, anger, um, frustration, like. I, I give myself the space to ask myself that question. Like, why is this coming up? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and I think this, I love that you said, you know, that you hate the term negative emotion. And I do think that there can be a benefit to that term. If we look at it the right way, you know, if we look at it as inherently negative because it's bad, then we're, we're missing part of the picture. But if we look at it as a negative, like I'm having this feeling it's negative, what does something negative do? Well, it negates. So what is this feeling negating for me? Um, mm. And I think then that's a that's an okay way to use the expression negative emotion. Like I would say, if I'm feeling really depressed and that's negative, well, what is that depression negating for me? Well, it's negating the fact that there is joy right in front of me. Dude, so I yeah. I always open my eyes to it. Man, I feel like I'm getting cheat codes on cheat codes over here, man. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, because that's so true. Like, I yeah, I can just like kind of comb over some instances where you're where where that's true. You're like, what am I missing out on? That's right in front of my freaking face. <laughs> but you know, that's it's certainly easy to say. It's not always easy to do. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's why I think sometimes it's a, it's it's good to to be aware of the you know one to be aware of our emotions and then be aware of like how we're labeling them because once we've labeled something as negative then well at least I can ask myself well like okay well what am I negating here um, but mm. I wouldn't necessarily get there if I didn't acknowledge the fact that I'm feeling this and it's you know feels negative. Yeah, no, that that's that's huge, man. Like I think the acknowledgement is a big one. You know, um, yeah, so. You know, I think, I think there is, you said something that I think is a very important theme for, you know, just the podcast in general is uniting body first, then mind, and then cultivating that spiritual connection. And it's, it is through that emotion, you know, um, and that's where I think developing a movement practice that allows you to access that flow state mm -hmm. is huge um you know i i've said this a couple of times that i think i think flow is a form of worship and i think flow is you can when you access it you really are accessing your connection to God, you know, whatever God it is, yeah. you know, yeah. I love that. I love is that, that. yeah, it's a really great way to say that. I've never thought about it as, as worship, but I would say that it absolutely is. I love that. Yeah. Oh yeah, man. I, I, uh, I, I think I don't, I, I, it more came to me than anything, you know, just like that. Like, you know, I actually, one day I was flowing in the park and I think you're really going to like this. Um, and this just hit me like a ton of bricks. I was like, hold on, let me write this down. 
Um, and it was movement is life. Life is movement. Love equals life. Movement equals love. God equals love. Movement equals God. And then that's where the movement is worship came from. Yeah. I really love that. If you, uh, if you don't mind, text that to me. Or send yeah, to me. absolutely. I got you, man. I can, uh, I'll, you can get a little sneak peek of my crazy brain. <laughs> <laughs> I think I got one in this conversation, brother. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Hopefully a couple. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, man. Um, I got one quite one more for you. Um, if you could give everybody, you know, one solid takeaway, if you can't condense it down to one, that's totally fine too. But yeah, if you could give them one takeaway, what would it be? Slow down your breathing. Dude. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's a million like little takeaways I'd also love to give, like cultivate self-awareness, check in with yourself, all this other stuff that I think is super important, but, but breath is king. Um, and at the very top, slow down your breathing. And so many good things will happen for you. Dude. Yes. Um, usually I actually come up with a quote and everything and just kind of the same deal like i let that kind of flow to me but i'm i feel if you're open to it i would love for you to share some uh, a quick little line from some poetry if you're down oh yeah absolutely um one, one from these books or one of my own your call mm. I'll read something um, that I wrote that I think is, um, I think there's a cool message in it, if I say so myself. Um, and it's a little bit of a story and it's a little bit of a translation of a story. Um, when I was very young, I remember someone saying to me, someone very important in my life, a prominent masculine fig figure said to me, you always dwell on things. Mm. And at the time, I didn't really know what it, I didn't know what it meant to dwell on something. And when you think about the word dwell, it's like I live in something. I didn't really realize that that was something that I did. I didn't know what it meant. But um, as I came to learn what it meant and I accepted that message, I believe that what happened is that it made a self-fulfilling prophecy and it made it so I often dwelled on things or, or obsessed about things. Um, so later in life and something that I tried to do was to translate that strict that statement. And through the translations, um, I, I wrote a poem about it. So I love it. And I don't read my poetry very often. So this is this is cool. Um, thank I'm you. Glad, I'm glad you're open to this. So thank you for affording me this opportunity and this challenge because it does. I'll admit it feels like a challenge. I love it. I always dwell on things. On repeat, I believe. Always is only sometimes. Sometimes even the dwelling grip will slip. And yet sometimes I dwell on things. There is a space inside that place and inside that a place for more space. And inside that space is a me 
letting go. Sometimes letting go of always I dwell. When the dwelling grip drips away, I can release and let it go. Sauntering into that space of place, free of the slipping, drippy, dwelling grip. And there it is, the space of the place, the space within me, free of the dwelling grip. Down to every atom, instead of always dwelling on things, I create freedom. Yeah. Fuck yeah. So that that poem is the the translation or the idea that through a little bit of word math, I turn the statement of I always dwell on things to I create freedom, which is the ultimate form of letting go, not dwelling. Mm. Yeah. I actually I I closed my eyes while you were reading that. I started with them open and then I was like, you know what, like this is a, this is an eyes closed moment for me. Yeah, that was beautiful, man. Thanks for sharing that. Thank you for the opportunity to share that. I really appreciate that. Yeah, no worries, man. Um, um, and just all things being equal, I'll, um, I'll share something from Hugh's book as well. This is one of his shorter ones, but I really love it. And if you're familiar with his work, I think you'll probably like this one too. It's called Perspective. It's not enough to make my dreams come true. I want to enjoy them as I do. Because you can climb the highest mountaintop and never change your view. And I think that's very um, analogous to that, that quote you mentioned about being the answer to the question. And it's that sentiment of, is it the journey or the destination? I love that, dude. Yeah, that's that's why we have, but that's why we have the things we have. You know, like jujitsu is a, is a big one for me. You know, martial arts is a big one for me because it's one of those things that it's always it's always calling you back in a sense. You know, um, same thing with the mace. Yeah. Question for or one last thing for you, actually, yeah. if you wouldn't mind, um, tell these people where to find you, yeah. and also if you have any uh, any cool things coming up that you want to tell them about, go ahead and do that as well. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Um, one of the best ways to find me will be on Instagram. My handle is my name Jeffrey Oaks. It is Jeffrey J E F F R E Y dot O C H S. So it looks like Ox but it's pronounced Oaks. Um, so Jeffrey.Oaks on Instagram. You can also find me online at intentionandflow.net, all one word, intentionandflow.net. A um, couple of cool things I've got coming up. Um, so currently at present, I'm taking on new students, and that is uh, for both uh, Steel Mace Flow and for uh, the mindset coaching I offer as well. Um, that would be Goal setting, we talked a little bit about language, self-talk in this conversation. It's the, the kind of coaching that I do down that that line, which is, um, truth be told, not a whole lot different than my movement coaching. In fact, um, they, they interweave and combine. I have students that when I fire up a Zoom call or go to meet them in person, I'm not sure if we're going to be talking or moving a mace. Um, and I'm <laughs> Good. 
Um, and as I said, I always prepare. I have a, a lesson ready, but sometimes they show up with a different need and I'm here to, here to meet my students where they're at. So like I said, I'm currently taking on new students. Um, so if anyone is out there is interested in working with me, send me a message um, and, uh, and let's get it going. On December 17th, just under two weeks away, um, participating in my jujitsu academy in an event called Global Gra Grappling Day. Um, and this is a fundraiser for an organization called We Can Tap Out Cancer. So we're, we're raising money, raising awareness to fund um, you know, cancer awareness, cancer research, help families of people who are struggling with a family member going through treatment that they can't afford. There's some really great organizations that all of the money from the fundraiser goes to. Um, and on December 17th, in my academy, what we're doing is we've got a two hour workshop taught by a couple of local black belts. And then the fundraisers like myself, we're going to be rolling, sparring for an hour straight, no breaks. Um, <coughs> Yeah, yeah. So it's good. It's a, you know, it's kind of like a walkathon except for jujitsu. Now I know that you know walkathons go on for hours and hours, and you know maybe an hour doesn't sound like a long time, but uh, That's a long. <laughs> an hour of of straight sparring with no breaks is a long time. It's also going to be a lot of fun. I believe the event is going to be live streamed, um, but but yeah. So if anyone out there has anything you'd like to donate to that. Uh, I really appreciate it. You can get a link to it through my Instagram. Um, and every little bit helps, you know, sacrifice a latte one day, uh, contribute a couple dollars, every tiny little bit helps. So. Hell yeah. Thanks, man. Dude, thank I you. love this. Thank you so much. I really yeah. appreciate the opportunity to talk with you, to be on this podcast. And uh, if anyone out there listening has, any questions you want to take this conversation further in any direction i'm, I'm just a message away let's go thanks brother